Okay, Mark Anderson, UKcolumn.org, coming to you Red Pill Day 1, Red Pill Expo, 9th of July, 2022. And I'm with Alex Newman, writer for the New American Magazine and other activities, other pursuits. How you doing, Alex? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, you, you authored a book on the deep state, I believe? Yes, sir. Deep State, the Invisible Government Behind the Scenes. Yeah, today at the conference here, uh, sponsored through Freedom Force International, of course, that's Edward Griffin's organization, you talked about uh, the Chinese model being sort of the model of the world, uh, the way uh, capitalists... Um, really monopoly capitalists, I like to qualify that, yeah. like like David Rockefeller, many others, Soros, World Economic Forum, everybody's favorite globalist and um, bad guy, um, Klaus Schwab, yeah. and their associations with and admiration of the Chinese system. And you talked about the history of it, the betrayals of free China back in the days of Chiang Kai-shek. Um, what's your central takeaway point from today's uh, presentation. I know that's kind of a tall order in only so many words, but what's the main thing you want people to know about what you talked about today? Well, I, I think the, there's a couple of critical takeaways. One is that if you want to see what the New World Order is going to look like if these maniacs get their way, Communist China really gives you some good insight into where they're going with it. Um, and, and perhaps the more important point is that um, Communist China is not the enemy per se, as is so often uh, discussed by our foreign policy elites and the bobbleheads in the media are finally catching on to the danger. Uh, I say the real danger is the people who put them into power and then built up their regime and uh, turned them into a global super superpower that now threatens freedom around the world. And we're not going to be able to fight communist China by just fighting communist China. You have to fight the globalist deep state cabal that created them and empowered them and put them there. Yeah, if I remember my history right, um, and I've read some of this in the New American over the years, uh, the tr Nixon's trip to China wasn't really Nixon so much, but he was uh, Kissinger was involved, yep. and I believe the Rockefellers were involved, and the idea was to um, liberate China or kind of liberalize, that's a better word, economically, but not really disturb the social, political, communist regime. And so they would be sort of a mixed economy. Uh, unfortunately, it would be more of a slave state in terms of labor, but they, they would give them sort of this patina of freedom, this capitalism, this uh, you know, this economic system that they could say was uh, going to transform China from a communist dictatorship, dictatorship into a free nation, but it was really kind of a ruse. They used it for a cheap labor pool, and then they used that leverage to develop China, and then we ran, we ran this huge trade deficit with China for years, and they took a lot of that money, huge profits, to build up uh, their, their military and whatnot, and that's according even to uh, Gus Stelzer, who was a uh, anti- uh, free trade uh, writer. He was a, a uh, executive with uh, General Motors who spoke out against these trade deals. And so um, uh, he met by anti-free trade, uh, you know, this pseudo-free trade that we were given. Um, but anyway, um, so there's this, there's this um, broad panorama where uh, China was, it looked like they were going to be liberalized, but in fact it, it was kind of a fakery, if you will. Yeah, it's the same that they did in the Soviet Union. You know, they very quickly realized that communism as an economic system was preposterous. It, it was unworkable. Not only did it not produce wealth, it destroyed wealth on an incredible scale. Uh, because if you don't have prices, if you don't have market prices, 
uh, nobody can even know whether doing something makes any sense. You can't know whether turning some trees into tables is actually adding value or destroying value, and generally it, it ends up destroying value. And so this kind of economic system is completely unsustainable. It collapses in on itself, so it requires perpetual subsidies. It requires this parasitic relationship with an economy that does produce wealth. And so they understood that very early on. I think that's one of the reasons that the Soviets did the, uh, the new economic program early on to bring in all this Western investment and Western capital. Uh, and the Chinese have done the same thing. Uh, what they've done, I think, is implement a kind of national socialist or even a, a fascist model whereby um, the government still controls everything, but there are enough market forces that wealth can be created, that resources can be allocated in a way that at least produces wealth rather than destroys it. Um, and, and that was a necessary part of this. And so I, I always tell people, communism is not an ideology. If you're looking at communism as an ideology, you're fundamentally misunderstanding it. I think it's much better understood as a diabolical criminal conspiracy to enslave people, and the ideology is just a thin veneer to give useful idiots and also the victims themselves um, a way to swallow it. Uh, which includes Black Lives Matter and, and, and others that you showed today that admitted to being Marxist or trained in Marxist theory or strategy. Absolutely. So, so the ideology is just brain candy for them. Precisely. And, and, and it allows people who are victims of this to kind of be able to say, well, you know, maybe I don't like this, but, uh, you know, at least there's a rationale behind it. People need to find a way to justify something to themselves before they're willing to um, submit as slaves or betray somebody or betray their family or betray their principles. And having this thin ideological veneer as a cover makes that more palatable. Yeah. Now, so what what is the best thing we can do? I mean, obviously, some of it includes exposing those that built up China. Like you say, it's not really China per se, but exposing those that built up China. Of course, you quoted David Rockefeller out of his infamous uh, memoirs, uh, where he admitted to being part of a, uh, a world cabal, that, and he's proud of it, that, that he's manipulating the world into a one-world system, a one-world dictatorship. Um, of course, he passed on along with his, his sidekick in the trilateral commissions, Zbigniew Brzezinski, yep. right around 2017. So we've lost some of these globalist double-dome heavyweights. But many of their um, confreres still exist. Um, the World Economic Forum seems to have stepped forward in the last two or three years as sort of the new apex of this, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think at least it's the public-facing apex. Um, you know, we, we, we see it reported a lot in the media, what they're doing. And so I think it's one of those organizations, kind of like a George Soros. You know, we're allowed to hate them. We're allowed to know about what they're up to. Yeah. Um, but it's more like the, uh, the cutouts that we're supposed to look at rather than the true powers behind the scenes. And I very much regard Klaus Schwab in that way. Yes, he's, um, you know, he's an important figure, and he reveals big parts of the agenda. But um, I think the real power brokers behind the scenes uh, remain behind the scenes and the World Economic Forum is just a way to kind of suck naive, maybe possibly well-meaning businessmen and politicians into the orbit and give them, again, some thin ideological veneer to allow people to justify to themselves participating in the destruction of their own nation's sovereignty and things like that. And, and get their money, especially. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, some of the some of the ultimate players certainly could be, and I'm being very general. The bank for international settlements, oh yeah, uh, which is the central bank of the central banks, as we know. Uh, we we can't really name a lot of names with that, or put a lot of faces to that. But in the central bank digital currency scheme that I covered, the Brookings Institution meeting, where they talked very openly and very, in an infrastructure sense, exactly how it would work. 
and you know, a, a guy from Cornell, can't remember his name, uh, wrote a book on uh, central bank digital currencies, and they were very specific about how it would work. The uh, the Scandinavian countries were being used as sort of trial balloons to float it. I believe, without looking it up, Denmark is one of them. And so uh, this is real, and they were talking about it again in very practical, uh, hands-on terms. And then you know you have the central banks and uh, the city of London that, that I'm sure are on board with this. Would this be uh, one very obvious thing that we could oppose that would help slow these machinations? Uh, I, I think so. I, I think part of it is just getting a deeper understanding of who these people are, what they're up to. Um, as a Christian, I think none of this can truly be properly resisted just in the physical sense, in the political sense. Uh, I think what we're really dealing with here at its core is a spiritual battle. This is evil, this is satanic, this is diabolical. And so I, I don't think there's any human solution to this per se. Um, and of course, I believe in the sovereignty of God. And so I'm, I have absolute confidence that when the time comes, these people and all their ideas and their structures and their plans will be completely obliterated uh, and I'm looking forward to that day but in the meantime uh, you know there's still a lot that people can do just to protect themselves their families their own countries uh, and I say you know just start with yourself and your and your own family start by getting your kids out of a public school and uh, making sure they're getting a decent education instead of being weaponized against you so yeah I tell people start in your own home and then from there you know work outward and, and I say dump the mass media cartel which is my description of them support independent media do everything absolutely. you can to challenge the hegemony the dominance this artificial dominance and the message of the mass media. Clearly, and, yeah. and, and you know, one thing that I think some of the patriot movement has missed, Alex, is that when COVID hit and the a lot of people were resisting all the mask wearing and all the arbitrary rules and all the complexities and the nebulous uh, nature of COVID itself, and the kids were being taken out of the public schools and they were out of the public schools for a long time. And I heard a lot of conservatives say, we got to get those kids back in school. Yeah. We, we got to get back to normal. And I'm going, no. Nah. <laughs> I was saying the same thing. Stop, you idiots. We've got a good thing going on here. So. Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes you're, you're handed a good card, even though the dealer didn't mean to hand you that card. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's one thing that really struck me strange. But uh, I, I know a lot more could be said. But thanks, Alex Newman. Any final uh, words here? Uh, well, thanks very much, Mark. It's great to talk to you. Great to see you again. I think the last time we saw each other was either at a Red Pill or a Bilderberg. So thanks for the work that you're doing. And uh, keep up the great work. Hopefully we'll meet again very soon. Yeah, this should be soon and uh, at UKcolumn.org. And I'm Mark Anderson reporting for UK Column from Freedom Force International's Red Pill Conference number 8 in here 2022 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Mark. Yep. I hey, appreciate it, man. That was awesome.